0: welcome (laughs) those in person and those joining us online we're going to continue the summer slump series the fruit of the spirit and it's my privilege to be able to talk about peace so if you have your bible or bible app you can turn to philippians chapter 4 i would like to start with the anchor verse for this series galatians 5 22 and 23 where it says the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Notice that it begins with fruit. That is singular. It is not plural. So when I think of those nine descriptions, I don't think of those as being nine different kinds of fruit. I think of those as being nine descriptions of one fruit. And that one fruit is the nature and character of God. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... God put the Holy Spirit inside of you, so He put all of His character inside of you. And so you can't tell me that God didn't give, God gave you love and kindness, but didn't give you peace and patience. You got all of it. And so when God is at work in our life, He's manifesting His character in our life. So you can have peace today. Even though we live in a world right now, there are currently 40 wars going on. Ten percent of the world's population lives in extreme poverty, surviving on less than two dollars a day. We have senseless violence in our schools and in our communities that we can't comprehend. We got record high gasoline prices, high inflation causing financial stress on many families. You go to work and you have a boss that doesn't appreciate you or thank you because you have a thankless job. You have strained relationships in your family to such a point that you can't even have a conversation without it turning into a conflict. And if you're a parent, you know how quickly your world can go from calm to chaos. I remember when I was a teenager, late one night, there was a knock on our door, and my mother went and opened the door, and there were two police officers standing there. And before they could say anything, my mother turned and she looked at me, and she said, Keith, what have you done? I do not know why I was one of the usual suspects, but my world was about to go from calm to chaos. I have two grown daughters, and I remember my youngest daughter, Rebecca, when she was in the second grade. We were leaving church one day, and her teacher came up to me and said, I need to talk to you. So she said, last week we did a lesson on temptation and I asked the class when they go to the store like Walmart, is there anything they see that they just want to have? And your daughter said, yes, cigarettes. <laughs> and, then said, and then she said, and this week we did a lesson on church so I asked the class, tell me one thing you like about coming to church. And your daughter said... She likes coming to church so she can watch everyone's rear end. So the teacher asked her, why could you say that? And she said, that's what my dad says. Her world was about to go from calm to chaos. But just for the record, I never said that. But as a parent, you know your life can be filled full of anxiety. From strikeouts to emergency room visits, from uh, first dates to first breakups, from sibling fights to driving lessons, there's plenty of room for worry as a parent. But I also want you to remember those first steps, those first words, those big hugs, those bedtime stories, those tea parties, refrigerator art, award ceremonies and graduation day. There's also plenty of joy as a parent. So I want you to remember all of those days and cherish all of them, but build up your children in Christ so that one day they can go out into the world and face the difficulties of this life. And dads, I want to especially thank you today. I want to thank you for being a coach and a cheerleader, an instructor, a first responder, a banker, a referee, a leader, and a comforter. Happy Father's Day, and may you have peace today. So I'd like to begin by looking at what Jesus says about peace. So in John chapter 14, Jesus said, The peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled or let it be fearful. There are two kinds of peace. There's the peace that the world can give, and there's the peace that only God can give. The peace that the world gives is based completely on your circumstances. So as long as you have no conflict, no worry, no anxiety, no fear, no despair, you might have peace. But you know it will not last because there's always another storm that's coming. But the peace that God gives is the ability for you to understand and to know that you are well, that you are whole, that you are complete in Christ, even in the middle of a storm. Let's look, oh, there's two kinds of, uh, there's two parts to God's peace. There's peace with God and there's peace in God. Romans chapter 8 says the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the, will of, to the law of God for it is not even able to do so. You were born into this world with a sinful nature that automatically puts us in conflict with a holy God. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah says that God's arm is not so short that he cannot save, but our iniquities have made a separation between us and God. And we do not know the way of peace. But we also know in Colossians, it says it was the Father's pleasure to reconcile all things to him, making peace through the blood of the cross. In Romans chapter 4, it says, "He, He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That you have peace with God. There is no more conflict between us and God if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Peace with God is sometimes referred to as objective peace. It means it's based on facts. It's based on the fact that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and he put the Spirit of God in you so you can live in him because he died for you and he rose again. It's that belief in who Jesus Christ is. Objective peace. You have peace with God. You've probably seen this bumper sticker before that says, No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then the only peace you will ever know is the peace that the world can give. And that peace will not last. So I want to encourage you today, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never made that commitment or that decision, or if you're not sure about that, we would love to talk to you about that today. The other part of, of the peace is peace in God. Notice what it says in John chapter 16. It says, These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Peace in God. This is sometimes referred to as subjective peace. It's our ability for God to reveal to us that we are well, that we are whole, that we are complete in Christ. And we can have peace and calm even in the middle of the storm. You still will have tribulation. You still will have difficulties. But I'm here to tell you that you can be calm in the middle of that storm. In 1989, Janet and I were in Aquaba, Jordan, and we were boarding a ferry, an Egyptian ferry boat to cross the Red Sea. And as we got onto that boat, I noticed there was a desk with an, with an official sitting at it, and he had two soldiers standing on either side. And when I got onto the boat, he motioned for me to come over to him, and I, when I got to his desk, he said to me, he said, surrender your passport and follow him. And he pointed to another soldier, who was standing about 10 feet away. And I said, I don't want to surrender my passport. And that's when the soldier standing next to him took one step toward me. He put his gun to my throat and he said, he said, surrender your passport. And I said, okay, now I understand what you're asking me to do. (laughs) But I can tell you that God can give you calm and peace even in the middle of your tribulation. The other day I turned on the radio and it had Jason Gray's song, Remind Me You're Here. And you're probably familiar with that song. But as I listened to it, I was thinking about the peace in God. His lyrics, in his despair, he cries out to God. And in his lyrics, he says, If it's random or providence, that is no comfort to me. Are you cruel if you planned it or weak if you allowed it to be? Half of me is believing The other half is angry and confused, but all of me is desperately longing to be held by you. I won't ask you for reasons because reasons can't wipe away tears. I don't need all the answers. I just need you beside me. Father, remind me you are here. And in those lyrics that's telling us how do we have peace in God in the middle of our storm. We may feel angry, we may feel confused, we may not understand what's going on, but in that phrase where he says, all of me is longing to be desperately held by you, the way you find peace in God in the middle of their storm is you need to find the presence of God. Because when you come into the presence of God, God is peace. Isaiah said that Jesus is the prince of peace. Paul said that Jesus is the Lord of peace and he will give us peace in everything. So we need to seek God and get into his presence. And when you're in the presence of God, you have the peace of God because he is peace. So I want to look at Philippians chapter four today and identify five ways we come into the presence of God so we can have the peace of God. So Philippians chapter four, verse two. Notice I put, I put a key word down at the bottom to help you track along. So this is people connect to God's people to find the presence of God. So notice the words it says. It says, I urge Iodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help. And that may seem a little odd verse, but Paul was saying you have conflict within the body of Christ. You are not in harmony. And that word means you're not of the same mind. There is something that is not right in the body of Christ. And Paul encourages in other letters, he says, to be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this is not unique to the Philippians, but what I want to point out is Paul said this is so important that you have to be in unity. That we, as a body of believers, we need to be of the same mind and the same heart, unified in Jesus Christ. So when the world out there comes in here, when they connect with the people of God, they can experience the presence of God. And that they will experience joy and hope and love and peace. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, who was formerly far off, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, for who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. He's specifically talking about there's a group of Jewish people and there's a group of non-Jewish people. And they were separated. They were divided. But when Jesus came and died and he died on the cross, he brought those groups together. He tore down that division, that cultural, legal, and religious division between them. And he says, now they can be in one. So as the people of God, we can be in one. We can be in unity in the spirit of God so that when people come to connect with us, they experience the presence of God. Many people today and tomorrow will be remembering Juneteenth. And so I want you to know at this place, Jesus tore down every division and barrier that separates us. There is no longer a division based on the color of our skin or our ethnic background or our political viewpoint. There's no distinction between where education level or how big your bank account is. There's not even a division based on what college team you support. It does not matter. We here at Northeast, we are unified in Jesus Christ. None of that matters. But we want anyone out there who comes into this place that they would know and experience the presence of God. It doesn't matter if they're a committed follower or just someone searching for answers. We want everyone welcome here. Because when you connect with the people of God, you can come into the presence of God. Several years ago, I had a couple in my Sunday school class, their name was David and Sarah, and they had a large family. But I remember one night I got a phone call from Sarah at two o'clock in the morning, and she said, Keith, my house is on fire. And I said, did you get everyone out, and is everyone okay? And she said, yes. And I said, did you call the fire department? And she said, yes. And I said, well, then you're good to go. And I started to hang up the phone. And she said, but wait. She said, can you be here? And I said, certainly. So I got dressed and I went and stood with her. And then I realized that when some people are going through their most difficult times in life, it helps for them to connect with the people of God. That sometimes we just need to be there beside them. There was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could say, but just being present in their life during their difficult days, that brought them comfort and peace. So that's why we encourage you to get connected to a small group, whether that's a Sunday morning Bible study group, a life group that meets throughout the week, whether that's the men's group or the women's group, connect with the people of God here. So when you have those dark days, you have someone you can call, or maybe you're going to be that person that someone calls, where you can be the presence of God in their life, even during a difficult day. So connect with the people of God to come into the presence of God and you'll have the peace. Of God, Philippians chapter 4 verse 3 says rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice let your gentle spirit be known to all men the Lord is near Paul saying rejoice and he puts emphasis on it rejoice he says it twice and he says do it always not just in the good times but also in those difficult times praise God so we come into the presence of God when we start to praise him and that's where we can find the peace of God But when I first read this verse, I think it seems kind of odd in context because just before this, Paul was saying, you have conflict in the body and you need to fix it. Rejoice. That would be like me saying, you've got conflict in your family or in your work. Praise God. It seems almost upside down to you, but that's exactly the point that Paul is trying to make. Even in your difficult times, even when there's problems and tribulation, praise God. Because when you start to praise God, that brings you into the presence of God. First Thessalonians say, rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. It says in everything, not for everything, but I'm going to be thankful and I'm going I'm to praise God no matter what is going on. My oldest daughter, Katie... When she was a Kentucky Governor's Scholar. So if you're familiar with that program, the summer before their senior year of high school, they go away to a university for five weeks for a special program and activities. And as a parent, you can be with them on the first day and you can be with them on the last day, but you're not allowed to have any communication with them for that five weeks. And they're not allowed to have cell phones. And so I remember she went away, and after several weeks into this, I was at home one day working around the house, and I got a phone call from this woman at Bellarmine University in Louisville. And she calls me, and she says, I'm calling to inform you that we have taken your daughter to the hospital. So as a parent, what are you going to do? You're going to ask the obvious question, why? And she says, I don't have that information. I said, can you tell me someone that does have that information? And she says, no. I said, can you tell me what hospital they took her to? No. All I can tell you is she was taken off campus. And thank you very much. And she hung up. So what are you going to do when you don't know what to do? How do you pray when you don't feel like praying? When you have all of this anxiety and all of this stress and you just don't know what to do, praise God. So what I've done sometimes, and this is me, it may help you that I have a structured approach to praising God. When I don't feel like praising God, I fall back on this structure Well, I'll praise God through the alphabet. I'll start with the letter A and I say, God, I praise you because you're almighty. I praise you because you're all knowing. I praise you because you are all powerful. I praise you because you are the alpha. And Omega, and then I'll go to B. So whatever comes into my mind, and I say, God, I praise you because you are beautiful and you're bountiful. That you are the bread of life. You are the beginning and the end. And you're the bright and morning star. And I work my thre- way through the alphabet. And when I start out, it made you seem like a burden because I'm so have so much stress and anxiety. But as I work my way through, gradually all of that anxiety goes, and I come into the presence of God. And this structure approach isn't without some biblical. Merit. Psalms 119 is a structured psalm, as you may know. It's 22 eight-verse stanzas, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and each stanza begins with the corresponding letter. So there is a structure. So for me, it helps me when I'm going through distress and I don't feel like praying or praising God. I fall back on that structure, and that gets me back to where I can praise God. So praise God in those difficult days so you can come into the presence of of God, and then Philippians four six says, "Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving." We already praised with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. So pray to God, and that's how you come into the presence of God. You might have seen on the news last month on May tenth, a man by the name of Darren Harrison and his friend were returning from a fishing trip in the in Bermuda, and on a private plane, and the pilot had a medical emergency and he couldn't fly. So Darren Harrison took control of the plane, got a hold of air traffic controller, controllers, and even though he had never flown a plane before or had any flying lessons, he was able to land the plane safely in South Florida. And after that, they asked him, how could you remain so calm during that difficult time? And his answer was, I prayed to God and the hand of God was on me. That when you pray, God can make you calm. Notice what the next verse is. It says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer, by prayer, make your requests be known to God. And it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then the next verse is: And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Seek God in prayer. When I was growing up, I remember when I was in the fifth grade, I had a neighbor next to me. His name was Kevin and we were in the same grade. And I had a neighbor across the street from me. His name was Keith also. And he was one grade behind us. But usually after school every day, we would get together and we would do something. We would play basketball, football, baseball, something. But I remember one day after we got home and I went outside I looked across the street just in time to see Keith crossing the street and got hit by a truck. He landed over 100 feet away in a drainage ditch. And I remember standing there watching paramedics work on him to save his life. And my mother came along beside me and she said, it is times like these that people move either closer to God or they move further away. Let's pray that they move closer to God. So when you're going through difficulties and you don't have any peace, seek God in prayer. Don't move away from God, but run to God, because he is the one that can give you peace in everything. Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good repute, is there anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So dwell, think about, meditate on the things that are good, the things that are true, the things that are pure. This verse became much more meaningful to me several years ago when I was reading Warren Wiersbe's commentary on Philippians. And he takes this verse and he connects it to Psalms 19. Psalms 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. So Paul in Philippians saying telling us to dwell on, to meditate on, to think about the things that are right, the things that are true, the things that are pure. And the psalmist is using those same descriptions to describe the Word of God. And so that's why down at the bottom I put promise, or it could be promises. When you're going through difficulties, think about, dwell on the promises of God. You may have heard of Gracia and Martin Burnham. They were missionaries in the Philippines 20 years ago. And in May 2001, to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary, they decided that they would go to a nearby resort hotel for the weekend, and while they they were there, that hotel got overrun by a Muslim extremist group called Abu Sayyaf, and they came in and took many hotel guests captive, including Gracia and Martin Burnham, and they took them off into the jungle with the intent of holding them for ransom. In her book called, In the Presence of My Enemies, she describes her experience, and she said, if you were too much trouble, or they thought you weren't valuable enough, then they would just execute you. But they were constantly on the move because the Philippine army was pursuing them. And she said after many weeks of this ordeal, she went to her husband, Martin, she says, I don't think I can take this anymore. I do not understand why God does not love us. And Martin said to her, it now is the time where you need to decide if you believe the word of God. Romans chapter fifteen says, "Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace, in believing." We got peace in believing the Word of God. So when you have those difficulties, do you believe that all things work together for good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose? Do you believe that Jesus or God will never leave you or forsake you? Do you believe that God has loved you with an everlasting love? Do you believe in God? And it's during those difficult times where you have to fall back and remember what are the promises of God and meditate on those. In June 2002, the Philippine army finally caught up to them. 13 months in captivity Constantly on the move in the jungles in the Philippines. She said, and when they caught up to her, there was this big gun battle and in that fight, her husband Martin was shot and killed. She was shot and wounded but she survived. And after that, she worked with a prison ministry team in Manila to get words to those men who had held her captive because she wanted them to know that God loved them and that God forgave them. And in that effort, four of those men that held her captive have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. God can do amazing things. But sometimes in the desperate times that we seek, we do not understand. So we have to fall back and say, God, I believe in the word of God. And the last thing is Philippians uh, chapter 4 verse 9 says practice says, these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So when things are difficult, keep on practicing, which means keep on obeying, keep on serving, keep on following God even when you don't feel like it because it's in practicing, it's in following him that you have the peace of God. If you've been around church any length of time at all, I'm sure you've heard the story of Horatio Spafford, who was a lawyer in Chicago in the end of the 19th century. In 1870, his four-year-old son got scarlet fever and suddenly died. 1871, one year later, there was the Great Chicago Fire, where 300 people lost their lives. 100,000 residents were displaced out of their homes. Horatio Spafford, much of his investments were in real estate and he took a devastating financial loss, but it was probably even the greater loss to see his community destroyed. His good friend Dwight L. Moody was going to do an evangelistic campaign in Europe in 1873, two years later, and so he decided, I will go with him and I will help serve him. Despite all the tragedy, all the difficulties, all that he faced, he said, I'm going to continue to serve And he told his wife, Anna, and he had four daughters from the ages of 2 to 11, says, we're going to go with him, and we're going to go do a European vacation to get away from Chicago. And so they went to the East Coast, and he had sudden business that he had to go back to Chicago to close. So he told his wife, Anna, and his four daughters to go on ahead of him, and he would catch up with them soon. And if you know the story, they got on the passenger ship, the Ville de Havre, and they left the port, and they were headed to Europe. And then on November 22, 1873, at 2 o'clock in the morning, in dense fog, their ship struck a cargo ship. Anna was able to get all four of her daughters up onto the main deck, and she recalls that one of her daughters said to her, Mommy, God is here. It will be okay. But Anna said the ship rolled over and they all fell into the sea and she doesn't remember anything other than she woke up and she was on another ship and she was taken to Wales. And from that point, she sent a telegram back to her husband who had already heard about the tragedy of the Vildahar sank, taking 226 people with her. But she sent a telegram and the first two words were saved alone. So he hurriedly got on the next ship he could. And on on that passage, he wrote a letter to Anna's sister. And in that letter, he said, the captain showed me the spot where their ship went down. And my precious lambs are not there, for they are in the presence of God. He would later go on to write the words to that hymn When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Years later, they would go on, they would move to Jerusalem, and Anna and Horatio Spafford opened up an orphanage to meet the needs of Jewish, Muslim, and Christian children. They kept on serving. They did not give up. They kept on practicing. And the Spafford Children's Home in Jerusalem is still open today. So I want to encourage you today in those dark days, in those difficulties, seek after the presence of God. Connect with the people of God. Praise God for who He is. Seek Him in prayer. Remember His promises and practice obedience. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity where we can just come into your presence and know that we are well. Father, that there is peace in the presence of God. Father, I thank you for your love that overwhelms us and holds us even in those difficult days. Father, if there's anyone here that's seeking after you, may they find hope and love and peace today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.